podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm trying to wear myself out. That's right, Reg. Uh, I hope he did wear himself out. Do you ever like, I know I know you like to take a shower before bedtime. You know, things you find out in the Patreon podcast, everybody. Um, That's what I've fallen into. <laughs> do you ever like to like, uh, or not, do you ever like to? No one likes to work out yeah. but what do you think about working out before bed you know tuckering yourself out like reg barkley around the corridors of the enterprise i find my will to live is uh evaporates is... as the night goes on yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> by that point in the day i can eat ice cream and i can watch television those are the two things i can must and take a shower those are the three things that yeah. i can muster energy for Look, you're a shower away from full depression then. Congratulations. <laughs> As I said to Matt, the reason I like to, I mean, you know, once I'm back <laughs> to having a real job and a real life, uh, which I think many people are, are already in the zone of, but, um, uh, you know, then I probably will go back to showering in the morning. But, uh, you know, this way I realized my bed, it remains clean, if, you know. It's always pristine. <laughs> I I also make my I've come to make my bed in the morning when who, I get up. Who do you think washes the sheets on the Enterprise? Oh, I, I, it's a good question. You don't think they have some kind of automatic kind of thing like uh, like, like a laundry chute, Japanese sleep pods, where it just sort of slides out and then I don't know. Or I've maybe they have a it. maybe they have a um, uh, you know a special. A uh, sheet that doesn't get dirty, self cleans. Like a space, like the reflective space sheets that we see are just really good at not getting germs on them. I don't know. Could be. I don't know. That's a good question. Thanks, Matt. Okay. Uh, Who cleans their? Does everybody clean their own quarters? Are the quarters self cleaning? Do they have little an, robots? Well, we know that the quarters are not cleaned by anybody but the people themselves because of the episode when Data tried to date uh, the messy, the messy lady. Remember when David oh, yeah. had tried That's dating? Right. And he was Although like, those seem to be... You have an aversion to organization or something else right. again. He was being very passive aggressive. <laughs> it does not seem like he would be a chill guy to go out with. Um, but the uh, the uh, I assume that that was just sort of like, you know, dropping your, dropping your dirty clothes on the floor kind of a thing and organization, not as much cleanliness. Yeah, I mean, I guess it'd be hard to like have dirty plates lying around because you'd, I think you just put them back on the replicator and they get sucked back into the matter system. Oh, yeah. I never thought about that. It's replicating the plates as well as the food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty special, Man. but not as special as our listeners. I'm going to tell them whether or not they should watch this episode, and then we'll get to some mail. Here right. we go. <laughs> Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Would you have them watch this episode? Um, I've always enjoyed it. So, yeah. 
kind of a lukewarm reception there. Uh, from whom? Me? From you. Well, that, that was a lukewarm. Well, you know, it's interesting, Andy, and we'll talk about it when we get to it. I, yeah. Um, I, I, this was the episode where I just was like, oh, there is a lot of convenient techno babble bullshit. <laughs> Yes, that is true. <laughs> I just I like, don't I don't dispute. Oh, that, that. is yeah. that is a lot. I mean, I get it. I get it. I get it. You got to do it. But also, I was just like, I'm usually someone who that stuff washes over me, and even I was kind of like, all right, <laughs> I'm enjoying this. I'll here's go along a, with it. Here's but, exactly uh... <laughs> how we can fix this exact thing. That well, here's I know how to do it. Um, it's mostly it's mostly the fissure stuff when the the idea of like that when they close the fissure then all the other enterprises will disappear that seemed like a little bit of a stretch to me. I mean all Just of it in, to me. Yeah, you know, we'll get to it more in depth. Okay. Uh, in a bit, but uh, yeah, it was inter- right. it was a it was a real reaction I had to the techno babble. Usually, I'm all for it. I'm like the number yeah. one techno babble guy right here. You're for techno babble in general. Just I like the- it. You just li- like listening to it. You like the, and you feel like. Do you feel like, in comparison, mm-hmm. I don't know that I have a sense of how much other sci-fi you watch other than Trek, but you always seem to be uninterested whenever we talk about the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, do you feel like comparatively, in your travels, that Trek does it pretty well, or that they skate yes. by a little bit? I think they do it best. Best, yeah. yeah. There you go. I mean, if you you know think about like the the, the biggest sci fi franchises in like for like let's talk about Dune for a second. Yeah. Um, there's not a there's not a buttload of time spent technically explaining <laughs> how the ships work. No, the ships they don't talk about, but they do talk about the ecology of the planet quite. Yeah, a bit. yeah. I guess that's techno babble of a biological nature. It's a techno babble. It's tech. Oh, you're just thinking literal tech. Yeah, yeah, I am. I see. Yeah. See, I put everything that's sort of a sci-fi explanation into techno babble. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, see, I don't. Wow, yeah. we're very different. <laughs> How do we do right. a podcast? It's crazy. What would you call that? Echo babble. Echo babble, <laughs> guys. That's Echno what babble. Uh, that's what all those uh, world leaders were doing at the uh, at the conference there. <laughs> the little little yeah. eco babble. <laughs> All right, now let's open the hail bag by actually not doing that. We're going to go to the Admiral's Club first. Here we go. <laughs> go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admiral's Club. Andy, we've, just been, we've done so many Patreons in a row that I just, like, my brain is like, all right, we'll do that, then we'll go to the mail. <laughs> don't, don't come up with any <laughs> explanations. Well, this show is never... In in hundreds of episodes, neither of us have as have ever had any sense of what's coming I, next no, or what's Andy, going on. I'm currently in a groove for our show, but it's the wrong show. All right, <laughs> I'm in the wrong groove. Um. Anyhow, a more Club. pertinent question, Matt, is how do they get into this Admirals Club? That very we're simple. Very yeah. simple. Just write yourself a, a not us. You don't write it to write it for our show. Don't write yeah. it for yourself. Right. If you write yourself a five star review, it doesn't get you in the Admirals Club. But if you write this show a five star review on Apple Podcasts, you're in. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a positive review. It can. It's just five stars. That's our requirement. Five stars. These guys kind of suck. Here's one from Jesse Crow, uh, who writes, "Come for the TNG, but stay for the Men at Work information." Uh, 
I admit I just started this podcast with the latest episode and need to go back to the beginning, but I was looking for a good TNG pod. I was pleasantly surprised to learn that this podcast also includes information about Australian supergroup Men at Work. <laughs> Can't wait to go back and listen to more episodes. I pointed out that Colin Hay had a uh, an upcoming gig, but it seemed like you were more focused on the, the full Men at Work experience. Yeah, we're not going to go see this Colin Hay warm-up gig. <laughs> <laughs> we're, going, we're going to see Men at Work. I, I'm almost positive he's going to play the hits. <laughs> oh, of course. In, in, both, in both scenarios, because uh, yeah. you know, he's good to his Because he's a showman. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, another Admiral's Club admittee is one bad mutter who writes, uh, gluten exclamation point. Hello, Matt and Andy. Stumbled across you two this summer and blasted, we got a, a new, a bunch of new listeners, which I'm very delighted to hear. Uh, I was going to be like, based on our, on the, the Trek fan base, you know, the people who've listened or the people who would listen at this point, but uh, apparently new people are always discovering us, which is a testament to our lack of marketing for ourselves. True. Um, hello, Matt and Andy. Stumbled across you two this summer and blasted through it all in a few months. Wow. That is a lot of Matt and Andy ejected into your brain. Starting from the beginning, uh, and I would like to say it is because it is that good. But I also want to see, uh, parentheses here, this rabbit hole of jingles and structure of the show. I am new to <laughs> listening to podcasts and was happy to find you. Um, I guess that would be a reason you would discover us late. Um, I saw my addiction early on, uh, so I tried to slow down and listen to other content. Oh, wow. You were really, you were deep in. Uh, other podcasts were just too polished for me. <laughs> I need your chaos. Working on watching uh, the newer series that are out there before I make the jump to to uh, patron. Uh, in reflection, happy Matt grew his family. Sad Andy has not found a partner. Best wishes. It's <laughs> so sad. The entire run of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's if, were, if that's what you were holding out for. Oh, I had. The, yeah, uh, Henry was. Henry did not exist at the start of the show. Yeah, that's true. That is bananas. That has to be a real, a real, uh, you know, end zone dance, you know, moment for your fans. You getting Henry? Oh, I'm sure. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of different interpretations of of similar end zone dances. Yeah. Um, Look, guys, uh, you know, my time will come. I'll get, uh, you know, I'll find my special someone, and maybe there'll be a family. Who knows? Uh, you know, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm free as a bird out there right now. You know, I can't be tied down. Well, so. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to say it out loud right now. I cannot wait for you yeah, to be some 12-year-old's stepdad. It's going to be very <laughs> funny. <laughs> it be a good stepdad. You're not my real father. <laughs> All right, let's go to the president's circle. <laughs> I think me and that kid will really have an understanding. The United Federation of Planets President's Circle. That's right, everybody. It's President Circle, otherwise known as uh, the Patreon. That's the top tier where you get, oh my goodness, what do you get? Four podcasts averaging 93 hours each, and uh, <laughs> that might be an exaggeration, but we just did a three-hour and 17-minute podcast. 
yeah. uh, yesterday that I'm that actually took I was my plan was to get it done and postable before we started recording this but it took so long to render <laughs> it really it took probably three times as long as I thought it would to like actually export the file anyway it'll take you a few days to get this up anyway <laughs> look discovery voyager enterprise we're talking about it in the patreon Head over there, become a member. If you get to the president's circle and you leave us a particularly good comment, we'll give you an honorary Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. No real medal. It's just uh, verbal. But you'll get it. (laughs) Who's got it this week, Andy? This week, uh, I forgot to let you know there's something. uh, I dropped a little something in today's sounds. Uh, I'll read this while you're getting it. Retrieving it, uh, it is titled "Rovember Jingle." That's right. This week, mm-hmm. this month rather, is Rovember. Last last month was a October or and or October. Either way, I still haven't heard from the uh, the winner from the the lucky question mark winner, <laughs> um, Aaron N, uh, who may have just decided during our you know. Our, well, I think we can send her in between. We, we can message her on there, right? I messaged her on both regular oh, email all right. and well, through, there you the, go. through the Patreon. <laughs> In fairness. <laughs> um, so she may be hiding from the, from her prize. Aaron, you can just say, it's not my gig, and uh, we'll just, uh, we'll, you know, I think we had a second backup, although God knows if either of us can remember it. Um, whatever the case. That was uh, October, and now is November. And at some point, at the end of November... We're going to do another drawing just because this has been so much fun. And uh, you're going to be sent some probably not that uh, Look, satisfying. I'm just, I'm looking forward Benson to this. Row memorabilia. Andy has taken it upon himself to be the one who's searching out this Rovember, Ro, 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 Row Your Boat <laughs> yeah. stuff. And I uh, can't wait to see what he picks. So anyway, I feel like uh, you should pick it. I already and have then, my eye on stuff. Well, I, well the yeah, better thing is I, to say this is what this is what we're we're going to give you. But the problem, the 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 issue there, well, and maybe there's a solution to this that I can't figure out, is that then it's it's just we we have to ship it to them. That's it. That's the right. solution, right? Because if it goes to one of us, then it'll stay with us forever. Well, anyways, no, send no. it to me, and I'll take care of it. No, you won't. I will. I have a time timer now. I get so many things done, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you really are putting a lot of stock in that time timer. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of changed my whole outlook on everything. If that continues to work for over a month, mm-hmm. then I will subscribe to it and get my own and do it. Because I always, I always come up with, with uh, strategies, and I'm like, that's it. I'm going to be a productivity guru. I did it. Yeah, and then no, it, I'm, I'm and then looking it works very, for about a week, and it's not. I'm cautious good. about it. I do hope it works for longer than the last. I'm very four days. excited for you. Five days. Anyhow, yes. Uh, Jeff Morris wrote us, uh, courtesy of Doctor McCoy and Star Trek Four. Uh, this this jingle is love you guys, and it is from Jeff Maximus. The dog is in timeout for peeing on my in laws' new carpet. Um, mm. I think he's. Jeff and Maximus the dog on Patreon. Um, and he roll, sent us... Roll, 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 gently down the stream. <laughs> 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 
He went to the same place I did. He did. That's very funny. You, you often blow the joke that uh, people want to hit because uh, you all have the same brains. What are you going to do? Well, we just all have the same frame of reference, which is many years of mediocre Star Trek. Um, Star so Trek join Live. the patron. I don't know if I explained this in all my endless babbling. All you got to do is join the patron, Patreon, either level. And you are uh, going to be in the running at the end of November to win an Ensign Row implement. It's exciting. I don't know what it will be. Andy's going to figure that out. Uh, and uh, congratulations, Jeff, for your jingle. You got uh, Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Now let's head to the Priority One messages. Whoa. Let's do it. Here we go. Captain, incoming message. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right. What are people saying, Andy, about the force? Now, was it force of nature? Uh, inheritance. Inheritance. Data's mom. Uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the best Halloween candy. Writes, oh, look, another family member episode. Jordy's mom, Worf's brother, Data's uh, mom, Picard's son. Boo. <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan of the family ones. I get it. I don't have a problem digging in. And, you know, I know that it's lazy, you know, seventh season, like, I don't know, how about we bring in? But I I don't know. As long as it's illuminating. Well, I, I think no also, like, it. being that far into it. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, let's explore it. Yeah. We've done a lot with these characters. And then Lieutenant Scott Farley added, uh... Uh, with Jordy's penchant for machines, uh, Data's mom, uh, Elf, A-I-L-F, must have been a difficult urge to resist making moves on. And I looked up A-I-L-F and <laughs> pondered it like with my to. pun blindness. Yes. Yeah. Until I finally was like, oh, Android is mom. Um, Lieutenant Cam writes, Beverly, uh, this is a quote from Beverly, <laughs> She has tear ducts, tear ducts, sweat glands, and an arm that fell off when she got hit hard enough. Noonien Sung can make an android cry, but doesn't think to give her bones. The Terminator was more sophisticated. Wow. That is it's pretty harsh. Very rude. To um, Noonien Sung, not to Beverly. No. Andrew Gibson writes, uh, go back to Force of Nature. I don't understand all the pearl clutching about warp damaging the whole universe. I thought the story was laid out. That it was the interaction of warp with the unusual, uh, unusually intense tetrion field in this sector. I took it as a cautionary tale about being universally gung ho about warping around, and maybe there are areas of space where they might need to slow down. I don't see why the plot would need to affect other shows, DS9 or Voyager, that don't take place near that region of space, or maybe I'd just be the 24th century equivalent of Rolling Coal. Um. Well, they explain it as, as, you know, years of high warp. So their goal is to make sure it doesn't happen in other areas of space. That's the way I interpreted it. And that's how Alex Tiahans, um I hope I got close. He gave me a phonetic spelling and I still have a problem with my brain. Uh, Alex Tiahans, uh uh, actually disagreed, and many others did too. 
Uh, Alex says, that section was just a weak spot. It's like the fumes that are emitted from a car are bad for the atmosphere anyway, but imagine thinking it didn't matter because it wasn't reactive, and then you drive through an area where the emissions literally set the sky on fire. Suddenly you'd think to be cautious about your emissions. That was how I interpreted it. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I I do agree with Andrew that I think it's it was vague in that episode, and then from everything you're saying... (laughs) They kind of swept it under the rug after that anyway. But um, uh, I think it must have been what Alex is saying because otherwise there is no thematic point at all that they're making. Like if if it's everywhere, then they're making a, a point about, you know, uh, ecological problems like global warming. If it's yeah. not everywhere, then it's like, be careful when you're here. <laughs> That goes for all of you out there that may never travel space. Uh, Lieutenant Victor Romero. I don't know if I've said it before. Fantastic name. Uh, writes, Headcanon. Star Wars does not exist as an entertainment franchise in the Star Trek universe because they take place in the same universe. Wait, what? Basically... His headcanon yes. is that they don't mention, I think we might have been saying, hey, they never mentioned Star Wars. And he's saying they don't mention Star Wars because Star Wars exists in the same universe as Star Trek. It just existed in a time, long time ago. Galaxy oh, far, that's far away. interesting. So, well, just a completely ga- different galaxy. And, you know, quite right. frankly, we're only dealing with the Milky Way here, guys. We're not getting out there. <laughs> right. That's we've, true. We've um, not, I like not, that. We've not hit the Andromeda Galaxy or... The other Somebody, four bajillions of galaxies. Someone had posted actually uh, commenting on in Eternals, they make a Superman reference and a Batman reference, I think. Um, and I actually responded on Twitter. Uh, how do you know? Basically the same thought. Like, how do you know that they're, they're not referring to actual people that exist in that universe? And uh, she pointed out that they had mentioned Alfred too. So, and which I responded, well, it could have been, could have been. This is a, this is a multiverse version of Batman. That's. You know. I'm confused because I I didn't see Eternals, and yeah. also I don't understand how they were referenced. Just as jokes or. Uh, yeah, as jokes. Um, but sort of. Uh, uh, you know, like that one character says that, that maybe they're sort of like Superman, and then I think someone else, uh, like a human, have, like a regular human, been... says this about the Eternals. Or no, no, it's one of the Eternals. Okay, is like saying, "Hey, I'm like Superman," but I think that the the intent is like, "I'm like that fictional character, Superman." But why not just say, "Why not just say, hey, I'm like Thor"? Well, that's a valid point. Why I open that? that were, why open that fucking can of worms? They were going for the joke. Or maybe they were intentionally trying to slam them. I don't know. Slam? But, um, oh, so you're saying it was an insult. It wasn't really an insult. It was really just more of a reference. And the other one was Batman and Alfred, and I think it was Kumail. I think it was Kumail has a sidekick in it, and I think that he was saying something like... Uh, and... Yeah, it is. It was very but why odd. not? why not say Jarvis and Iron Man? Like, you have stuff in the universe that is equivalent that you can easily do the joke and not yeah, whatever is Jarvis Jarvis isn't publicly known though that he had an AI assistant named Jarvis 
It's an interesting question of do they explain to the public what Vision's origin is? I mean, look, you know, there's documentaries about them out there. You know, when remember Peter Parker on the plane is like, there's mm-hmm. that Iron Man documentary. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's all very, you know, those are like behind the music kind of very light documentaries. They're not really digging in. I don't know that you need to dig in to know that he had an AI that he turned into Voltron to, uh, to uh, that Ultron almost became in that vision. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? They do kind of dance. They have them responsible. We're really in our marveling segment now. Uh, they for, have... Yeah, for bad what? things that happen in relations to their battles. Yeah, they sort of refer to Sokovia, but yeah. they don't really put it on... Or is it implied that it's saying, you created this with Ultron? Uh, I feel like it's more of a generalized, because because of your presence in the world, this kind of shit happens. Yeah. I don't... I don't know. I don't know. William Hurt... <laughs> And I, I, know, I know what you're saying. Movie. I know, I know the character. I know the reference. Um, he's bla- he blames them because he blames them. he hates. Super, you know what I mean? He's still he's still bent out of shape about Banner. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just I was just curious what his reasoning was there because it seems like you really could put a direct finger on you created. Ultron. And I think a lot of people do. Yeah, in that world, certainly Zemo does. Um, Lieutenant Eric Peebles writes, is Android Juliana Tainer sentient, uh, or is she just a replica of a real person who is unable to stray from her programming? Is Data not telling her who she is uh, robbing, uh, who she is robbing her of the chance to become self-aware and gain sentience? Oh, is Dana not telling her who she is, robbing her of the chance to become self-aware and gain sentience? No, because if she found out, she'd shut down. That's how she's programmed. Do they say that? Yes. I remember that. That's like the, the thing that I'm like, that's what. That's why the argument at the end between Picard and everything, I was always like, well, oh, no, that's right. we you can't kept tell saying her. That again we can't tell end. her. <laughs> She'll shut down. Like, so they have this debate for no reason. You know, it's kind of, to me, fucked up that uh, that he would put that in, though. Uh, just to complete that thought, Chief Tactical Officer Troy Ray writes, uh, are any of us able to stray from our programming? Is that what makes us sentient? What if we're programmed to stray from our programming like data? Are we still sentient? Hmm. And then there was a long thread as there always is of a discussion of what sentience and uh, and androids and all that stuff which was very interesting but it's all on the patreon i didn't want to just be reading sorry continue your point Matt. no i'm just well you said what you said is in that kind of a dick move and my answer to that is like i think sung's kind of a narcissistic creepoid anyway right. <laughs> you right. know what i mean it was weird for him He's, to create this yeah, being that he, was basically just there to satisfy his own you know emotional or well i mean at least he knew he understood enough to be like okay well you want to leave me you want to leave me it's not like he reprogrammed her in the night to stay (laughs) that is true here's i guess why the thing that like you're saying he programmed her to shut down as soon as she found out she was an android yes my feeling is if she found out she was an android she thinks of Data like a son. She clearly values 
these beings as though they're actually sentient, you know, and maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but she clearly sees them as that. Why would it be that much of a, f- everybody's saying she's going to flip out. She wouldn't be able to handle it. She won't be able to be happy. Well, I think she's the one person in the world, the universe that's left that would be completely chill with it. No, no. I think because of her fear of lore, like, you know, it might be a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. There's a world where uh, she finds out she's an android, and then f- her fear becomes she'll become an evil megalomaniac, and then she that acts, you know, she fulfills that own her own fucking horrible prophecy and becomes an evil, you know, mom. I would Just- dispute that because she's it's been her fear has been disproven in this episode by Data's existence. Well, Laura's still a horrible. You know. He is, but she clearly was like, "I was wrong to." Well, also, be she afraid. clearly can't find out she's an android because she'll shut down. Well, that's 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 a part that I. I'll but I guess I'm arguing that Sung it. should not have, uh, outside of the many other things Sung did that were weird. I mean, that's that, step like, eighty-five. That. That's yeah. step eighty-five of the things he maybe shouldn't have done. So I guess I agree with the spirit of uh, that. A, Sung shouldn't have programmed her that way, and B, I think Data should have told her, because I think she could have handled it. But she would have shut down. I understand. I'm saying that those things shouldn't, uh, that that he was wrong to program her that way. They're all arguing the spirit of the question, should Data have told her or not. I agree with you that there's a larger issue that we never get to that because it just would have shut her down. For some reason, I just can't even like put my brain there because they're like, it's like an if-then question problem and right what they're telling us at the start of if this happens then this happens yeah and really what it is it's like data having to go am i willing to have my only connection to my father shut down and not exist anymore yeah i mean that's that's the that's sort of the deeper part of it that's the philosophical debate i think right well it definitely would it's more of a non non question, even if the idea is, yeah. If I tell her, I'll basically deactivate yeah. her. But uh, the other thing I was going to say was, um, uh, there is sort of a the, he says basically, essentially, he's arguing. Well, because I transferred her brain, theoretically, even if it's yeah. a digital version, into this android. And then she left me. That indicates that she would have left me anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think that eliminates the question of his interaction with her. That he's going to somehow interact with her exactly the same if she's an android duplication as if she was a human. And that's not good science. That's a bunch of crap. I'm sure he acted differently knowing that she was his creation. I don't know. But by that point, he had already made Data and Lore and B4 and... It so. just, I feel like he just... Yeah, and he has a certain ownership over them and, and connection to them that he didn't didn't have with any other humans. Yeah, but also, I mean, I don't, I don't quite know how to phrase it, but I feel like he's just weird enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he's like just, just weird like, enough to like... This is an Android like... replicate, therefore it's exactly the same. Yes. And then just yeah. like completely go, okay, well, all right. Yeah. Well, if you want to leave it, of course. Definitely a weird dude. There's a sitcom in there somewhere. <laughs> the Sung sitcom. Um, maybe that's what we pitched them, Matt. 
Uh, Dino Sardin writes, uh, I found the mention of data being able to age interesting because in many interviews, Brent Spiner has said he felt weird playing data as he got older because data was an ageless android. Spoilers for Nemesis and everything afterwards. Um, what is IIR? <laughs> old man question. IIRC? I looked it up and I don't remember. IRRC? I, two eyes, RC. I don't know. Um, it's, if I remember correctly. Uh, um, IIRC. Now I've lost my place. Worst podcast ever. Uh, he asked for Data to be killed off because he felt he had gotten too old for the role. Interesting. You're cutting yourself off from a real real source of income there, Spiner. <laughs> Well, they paid him twenty million to be a nemesis. So, so do you think that's just think that so. seems like such a basic thing as an actor that you would sort of log in your head of like, yes, I can age once you hear that line. Uh, for him to have forgotten that. Yeah, I mean, I also think he was like looking for ways out. <laughs> Well, that also might be. So you think he was just, um, technically, we've addressed this, but. Yeah. Um, it definitely does feel like Sung would have would have built in that they could age if he was trying to make a human. Tess mm-hmm. writes, uh, at what point in the future do women just keep their own names when they marry or remarry? I think it's up to whatever alien planet culture you're on <laughs> or in. That's true. But Tainer uh she uh she took the idea was that she was going to take his name and then it was only because they were hiding the mm-hmm. the marriage i think she didn't so i think it's a valid question well i mean obviously in the in the whatever the hell her real last name was in that in her in her culture she was still taking last names she's not you don't think her culture is human yeah, her culture is human, but like you know, there's like traditions that are exist. Oh, I see. Her different, culture. you know, there are different cultures on the planet Earth, and right. it's just like I feel like you know, whatever. Maybe, maybe the Irish Catholics are just like that's something they carry through till the end of time. Who knows? Remember you that gotta, whole race of Irish people that ended up on the Enterprise in the shuttle bay. You got to give. Um, <laughs> yes, I do. You got to give. Uh, uh, future earth some points for people really you know holding on to their cultural distinctions in what would have been certainly a a complete homogenization of uh, everyone can go anywhere and and be in contact with anyone on the planet it's interesting still there's still your your scotties and your sulus and your and your checkoffs yeah um, Jeffrey Jakes writes so one thing that bumped me more uh, the more I think about this episode is how Juliana was never discovered to be an android before this point I can buy the whole she has blood vessels and tear ducts premise and even the artificial human life signs to fool a tricorder or a scanner but how do you fool a transporter we're talking about a machine that deconstructs you atom by atom shouldn't it throw a uh, quote check engine light if it's locking onto a human pattern but beaming 50 kilos of duranium alloy and positronic circuitry instead 
I suppose that the same program that sends out a false signal, out, out false life signs, could somehow rewrite the transporter pattern, but it's always felt like a bit of a reach to fool a transporter in this way because of how a transporter is supposed to work. I feel like if Chief O'Brien were selling a prize, he would have caught this. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe Chief would be like, oh, look at this thing. This is pretty heavy. <laughs> it's like the really? opposite problem of the transporter chief who beamed up uh, only that guy's comm badge. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't uh, You didn't look. That was having a recent voyage. Well, I got him, sir, but it only is comm badge. You why, didn't, uh, why did you even bother? Why did you even bother? <laughs> I just thought it was a rush. What I, if I he thought was I needed what to get he, whatever I could. What if he was small? <laughs> I don't know what's going on in engineering. <laughs> Um, Lieutenant Ben Plavin writes uh, this is in regards to um, our discussions of registry numbers which you obviously understand better than I do maybe there aren't 75,000 ships but rather a lot of empty slots when I'm working on uh, working in product development on a licensed character I slot a certain number of items for that license doesn't mean I will use them at all that could uh, even account for lower number ships coming out later if they were part of a lower numbered class. Uh, there's a little inside baseball with the toy world for you. Speaking of which, I got a job back working in toys again. Yay. Good for you, Ben. Congratulations. Way to toy it up, Ben. Uh, we had a lot of discussions of serial numbers and a lot of people writing in. Um, I'm sparing you. I'm so sorry I started that discussion, everyone. The details, because uh, I fe- it felt like the kind of thing that you would kind of go like, I know, I know, I know this, I know this. Sometimes you... Uh, I mean, sometimes some... they're writing it to the audience, too, you know. It is true. Um, That's it for... But not this time, suckers! <laughs> for priority one messages. <laughs> All right, let's uh, head out to the, uh, what do you call it there? Hallway. Oh, boy, now it's time to hear from everybody else. Captain, we are being hailed. Extra credit from J.D. Cohen, um, who is Shark Carbuncle. Um, on in our president circle thank you for oh wait why is this oh he sent me a thing i apologize uh hey andy and matt i'm uh, particularly bad at my job today uh this is me saying that uh you've mentioned on some episodes the gauche habit of berman and braga giving themselves writing or story credits too often and I suspect that they were inspired by the great bird himself, Gene Roddenberry. G-Rod was notorious for doing an extra last-minute rewrite that nobody asked for, so he could get that extra credit. The Roddenberry hustle was legendary. He would also scoop out, uh, scoop up trimmed bits of film from the editing room <laughs> and clip out juicy frames to sell to fans through his own company, or in some cases from finished episodes, much of the consternation of the editors when they wanted to reuse shots later. And who can forget his shoehorning Spock's sexy medallion pendant into the show for a merchandising opportunity, which he had all the rights to personally. Live long, and most importantly, prosper, short carbuncle president. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, uh, look, he's the great bird of the galaxy. 
Gotta gotta give him his props. Let him him, him do what he wants. Got the bird. He's the bird of the galaxy. (laughs) Um, Oh, and here is some more uh, Starship Registry numbers from (laughs) Jeffy Sung. (laughs) Um, Hi, Matt and Andy. Following a conversation on registry numbers, and there being over 74,000 ships built in the 100 years following TOS. Hey, hang on. I just want to say that, okay, of the 80 episodes... Of Star Trek, the original series. Okay. Gene only has written by credit on five episodes. Oh. Story by on six episodes and teleplay by on two episodes. That is that is very respectable. Um, so I get it. I get what you're saying. But this is it's it's wildly different. Star Trek Next Generation. He was alive for six seasons of it. He has teleplay by two episodes written by one episode i mean that's fantastic that is very impressive i definitely would get what everybody's saying but the rewrites i mean that's just rewriting without giving himself credit which is what every fucking showrunner on the planet does when i get a show i will definitely be grabbing more credits than that (laughs) um but like so for instance let's take let's look at enterprise shall we andy let's look at let's look at braga because it's a similar amount of episodes they had a you know they had a little more uh, episodes of um, Enterprise than of the original series because it ran for a full extra season. But like, if we look at, say, Star Trek Enterprise, yeah, uh, let's go to writer. Let me look at the credits here just to just to see. Okay, story by twenty-one episodes, uh-huh. written by sixteen episodes. <laughs> And that is out of a total of 97 episodes. Right. <laughs> so 17 more episodes, but not, sorry, uh, 16 more story credits. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do wonder, There's. I think there is a mentality switch when you hit Enterprise, when Berman is in particular has hit Enterprise, he's like, all right, this is... We're going to try and do a good show, but this is a cash grab at this point. So that's you know that's fair. And maybe that's his fair. reason reasoning is just like, man, I'm just going to get what I can out of this before I cash in my chips. <laughs> um, you know, which again is uh, is is not the friendliest to your writing staff, but uh, is more <laughs> understandable. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm very impressed by those Roddenberry numbers. Good for you. I guess he's that's why he's trying to make a buck with the uh, little snippets of film and everything yeah. else. <laughs> uh, but that's fine. Whatever. Um, Okay, what was I saying? Oh, so I, I so I apparently I do have some of the uh, ships number. There was there was a lot of them. Uh, this is from uh, Jeffy Sung. Following your conversation, did I ever read this one? No. Following your conversation on registry numbers and there being over seventy four thousand ships built in the hundred years following TOS, the ships would seem to get registry numbers in their NX devi- design phase. Whether or not they are commissioned or even built, as we learn that Cisco worked on the Defiant, which kept its NX registry while it was put on hold over its design flaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I've understood it is that there are 74,000 designs, but not actual ships. Further, furthermore, runabouts do have their own individual registries when not attached to a ship. So whether it's hundreds of member worlds and thousands of colonized planets... 
uh, sorry. So with it, so with its hundreds of member worlds and thousands of colonized planets, it is entirely possible that there are just tens of thousands of these smaller short-range vessels existing to ferry people between planets, stations, and ships. Thanks for mm-hmm. the podcast. It's the one I look forward to the most. Uh, that's reasonable that those uh, all those little shuttles and whatnot get NCCs. The uh, the Defiant in series was an NX. Yes, gotcha. Even you know, even after they put a couple other into production, they kept its NX huh. prototype just because it was the prototype. Yeah. Because, like, you know, so the, uh, the Excelsior in Star Trek Three is NX-2000. Uh-huh. And then by the time Sulu has it in Star Trek Six, it's it's dropped the NX and is now NCC-2000. But it's the same ship? Yeah. And maybe this is a spoiler, so you make your own evaluation. The Defiant, the other versions of Defiant are in DS9 or they pop up other places? Uh, they pop up in DS... Well, in DS, DS9 is the only place for them to pop up. But yeah, there's like the Sao Paulo. There's the, um, oh, is it a, the Challenger? Yeah. A few other, yeah, a couple other ones. All right. Um, and then Neil Timmons also writes regarding uh, the numbering convention. There were a lot more than these, folks. Uh, Andy, I absolutely loved hearing that Matt is a fellow golfer. Uh, as if I could be more of a fan, I am now more of a fan. Okay, this is how I understand the Starship numbering convention. 1701 would be the 17th ship design, and the second ship of the line, NCC-1700, the Constitution, being the first. This makes the Reliant a bigger, badder ship than Enterprise, as it was the 18th ship generation and the 64th made. This, of course, would add drama to the Kirk-Khan duel, because Kirk was the underdog. If Kirk said that there were roughly a dozen Constitution-class ships, then the numbers would go up to NCC-1712 and reset to 1800 when the next Starship design was created. Hmm. If they made at least 64 of the Miranda-class ships, then NCC-1800 would be the Miranda, and so on. Uh, Voyager is NCC-74656, which I would read as the 746th ship design, and the 56th made, which means Utopia Planitia is pumping them out as fast as Boeing makes airplanes. If we think about it, we started manufacturing cars roughly 100 years ago, and now we have wastelands of old vehicles. If the industrial replicators can take old scrap and recycle it in new Starships, having roughly 50,746 times 60 to 80 Starships flying around 100 years after Kirk, it isn't that unbelievable if the Federation at that point is at uh, is about 180 warp-capable worlds. Seriously, I think Q may have actually had a good point to put humanity on trial. That's a lot of antimatter being burned. Um, there's a caveat that is added. Any legacy ships or showmanships may keep a famous registry, registry number, such as the NCC-1701 ABCDJ, uh, but are generally used for things like parade ships or maybe flagships so they can show off. <laughs> I love a parade ship. <laughs> this is <laughs> that's that's what uh, I guess it would have been too limited. Maybe that's what lower deck should have been. What does the what is the Cerritos' job? Is it just a general ship? Do we know? Uh, its job is second contact. <laughs> that's that's very clever. Um, this, of course, makes no sense from an actual military perspective. But hey. 
we got no bloody A, B, C, or D, so I'd say it was worth it. Uh, cheers from Neil. Thanks, Neil. Thank you, Neil. That's Alien Homer. Go ahead. As I was gonna say, there's an interesting way of looking at the registry numbers. Yeah. But inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? I mean, what's crazier, I guess, right? 56 Intrepid-class ships being pumped out before Voyager or 75,556 ships being pumped out before Voyager? I don't know. I mean, when did a, when would a, when would the main amount of the Borg stuff destroyed... When, when was Wolf 359? Yeah. So that's... What about it? Sort of like a year before DS9 starts? Well, the the Defiant was designed because of Wolf 359. I guess I'm just trying to figure out how many Starfleet vessels would have been destroyed in that in the conflicts with the Borg. Oh, they're, they're, that number is somewhere. It's not as many as you think. Yeah. Um, John Chataway writes Alien Homeworlds uh, Hey Andy listening to you on the last episode you said it was dumb that the Frankies were from Ferenginar and it got me asking is it dumb that Vulcans are from Vulcan Romulans are from Romulus Andorians are from Andoria Bajorians are from Major, Cardassians are from Cardassia Earthlings are from Earth or Terrans from Terra but finally why are Klingons from Kronos <laughs> Just wondering, live long and secunda, John Chataway. I think that's a totally valid point, John. And I, uh, my my point has been, or my perspective has been, uh, uh, correctly corrected. Um, it's it's no no more ridiculous. But Ferenginar <laughs> sounds somehow more awkward to me. It's very strange that it sounds more awkward to you. It, it's just like you know what? You know. It's the end for. For Ferengi Nar, yeah, as opposed to Ferengia. Ferengia sounds not as stupid to you. Well, they all sound stupid, but uh... <laughs> well, you're saying it does not sound as stupid. Romulus doesn't sound stupid. That's all. Awesome. Well, that's because it's a fucking you know Greek thing, a Roman Earth thing. A, Vulcan yeah. is also good. So is, I mean, again, this is all Latin, I guess. Yeah. So if it's Latin, if it's original Latin, you don't. You don't have a problem with it. Yeah, it's certainly pointless to pick apart. This sci-fi thing is ridiculous. This sci-fi thing isn't ridiculous. That's but right. That's Welcome how to we the show. do. Uh, that's it for the hails. If you oh. would like to send a hail to us, uh, you can either join the Patreon and you will get uh, access to our Priority One messages, which get special attention, or you can send a hail for free to sttncpod at gmail.com. Feel free to let them fly. I don't know if we... It occurs to me mm-hmm. that we may be receiving less because all the diehard fans that would bother to write a, a hail are in the Patreon. So it might be. what are you going to do? Well, um, we accept. Uh, if you want to reach Matt uh, on Twitter or Instagram, he's at Matt Meyer. If you want to reach me on Instagram, I'm at Andrew Secunda or I'm at Secunda on Twitter. If you like to send a voice hail, please do. It's at 816-TREK-TNC. All right, everybody. Let's do it. 
We crossed many doors to many places Your hails made us think of all your faces So plug TNC in your little board node Let's talk about this week's episode Yes, indeed. It's time to talk about this week's episode which, of course, is Parallels starring Michael Dorn and also the rest of the crew is somehow in it also. But really, it's the <laughs> Dorn show. Uh, this aired November 29th, the week of November 29th, 1993. Where were we, Andy? Well, uh, our this day in Trek history, of course, as uh, always comes from Lieutenant Commander Zach Wilson, and the number one song in the U.S. is I'd Do Anything for Love, But What I Won't Do That, by Meatloaf, also still reigning atop on the U.K. charts. All right. The what number one movie, Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello! <laughs> Good job. Thanks. The number one book, Slow Waltz and Cedar Bend by Robert James Waller. Uh, births that week, David Lambert, The Fosters. Deaths that week, actor Don Amici and Frank Zappa. Uh, events, Space Shuttle Endeavor launches to fix the Hubble telescope. The Brady Gun Control Bill is signed into law. It's a good mission. Is it a good one? It is. I wonder, is that the one? Hang on. Does it say the mission number? STS. Not in front of me. Mm. Look it up if you want. No, that's all right. Hang on. I just I'm gonna t- I want to see if that's the one I'm thinking of. Was the Endeavor an NX? Or was that a... <laughs> what number was it? It was usually a USS, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that was Atlantis. Okay. Um... Thinking of a different mission. All right. Now that that's out of the way, we can talk to talk about what everybody came here to f- listening. They're like, oh, my God, my ears have perked up. Finally, we're going to get to it, ladies and gentlemen. Frank Sinatra. Let's hear it. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, come on. Da-da-da-da. It's time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> time for Frank Sinatra, come on. <laughs> Andy, what was the chairman of the board doing? Well, Frank is still enjoying an extended Thanksgiving break, Matt, so it's time to get in the Wayback Machine again for a recording session that Matt would approve of. On our broadcast date of November 29th, but in the year 1965, Frank was in the studio with Nelson Riddle and his orchestra to record an album of moon-themed songs. (laughs) It's it's apropos. (laughs) The album, called Moonlight Sinatra, included track titles such as Moonlight Becomes You, Moonlight Serenade, Reaching for the Moon, I Wished I Were on the Moon, Oh You Crazy Moon, and The Moon Was Yellow. (laughs) Oh You Crazy Moon. I would actually like to hear that one. Uh, Me too. That really sounds like there. Do you think that... Do you think that Frank was the one who was pushing? It'll be all be moon songs. This is going to be the best. <laughs> this baby. is the stupidest fucking album anyone's ever made. Charlie. <laughs> or do you think he was like, how many moon songs are there? What you've done. Once you promised me, you know that it would never end. should be ashamed to show your funny face, my friend. 
That you're smart. <laughs> What? Oh, you crazy moon. You broke my heart. All right, I guess the moon Pretty broke good, actually. <laughs> I think, oh, you crazy moon, it would be, uh, it'd be uh, a more little bit upbeat. more of a... Now, yeah, that is one yeah. thing. I was also going to say more of a stretch. But I want a more Frank, of an up-tempo number. Frank knows how to sell it. Uh, yeah, I guess he does. That's the wild thing. That was a stupid song, but it sounded very Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have bumped me. Uh, all right. Now, I'll tell you other things, guys. Like the okay. fact that this episode was directed by Robert Weimer and written by Brandon Braga. <laughs> Already getting a piece. Uh, and here's what Dr. Trek Larry Nemechek says about this from the Star Trek Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. Worf is nearly driven insane when after returning victorious from a Batleth competition, he realizes he is sliding from one alternate universe to another. Uh, for details, uh, first the details of his unwanted surprise birthday party keep changing, then the details of a sabotaged Argus Array, as well as the tactical console, are different too, resulting in LaForge's death during a Cardassian attack. At that point, Worf finds himself on the Enterprise, where Ogawa is chief medical officer, and he's married to Troy. After Data points out that LaForge was nearby, each time Worf sensed the change, his visor is activated and immediately makes the Klingon dizzy. And this time he wakes up on a Riker led Enterprise as first officer with Wes Crusher at Tactical. Data has found that Worf's RNA shows quantum level flux, that he's out of sync with the universe and discovers, with Wes, a quantum fissure where many universes intersect, a fissure that tapped the, trapped the original Worf uh, and is aggravated by the visor's subspace pulse. During the search for Worf's true universe, the warlike Bajorans open fire, uh, dis- Stabilizing the fissure so much that the Enterprise from the various universes begin to pop in, including ragtag fugitive in a board-controlled galaxy that opens fire as Worf tries to return to his correct universe. Ship is neutralized. Second yawn of the paragraph. The quantum states (laughs) are repaired. And once home, Worf can't help but see his relationship with Troy differently. Okay. That was something. Let's dive yeah. in. Do you have any uh, thoughts on the Batleth tournament? <laughs> I mean, the main thing that I found uh, hilarious about, and it ha- there's a couple of things in this episode that sort of support this, is that it's a point to major contention, as the, as we've seen before in alternate dimension things, uh, that it's like Worf is like something is terribly wrong. I didn't win the competition. <laughs> like that's like a huge, a huge issue for him. <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a dark, terrible universe where I was not triumphant. In the same way that like the worst thing that Picard could imagine is him being Lieutenant Junior Grade <laughs> instead of a captain. Personal log. Stardate 47391.2. I am returning from the Batleth competition on Forkus 3. The conditions were difficult. Hear more about Several Forkus contestants 3. were maimed, but I was triumphant. 
<laughs> Several contestants. I won. Yeah, this is that is intention. That is an intentional joke, right? The several contestants remain. Yeah. Yes, his casualness with yeah, which he he throws sure. that off. It's for a, sure. So Dorn is the fucking best man. He is. Uh, you know, I think that people give a lot of props to Spiner as the key comedic person, and he definitely has his he has his his moments of really killing it. But I feel like Dorn is the the secret killer. He's the one who was really the 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 comedy heavy hitter i don't think there's ever really a joke that is intended for wharf that doesn't get pulled off by dorn yeah even things that like shouldn't be that funny are very funny with his face like his reactions to like even the even the way he reacted when um troy went to kiss his neck <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so it's <laughs> like, just gold. If you like pile on everything, like he's in an alternate dimension, his mind is falling apart, that happens, and he still reacts like Worf. <laughs> so great. <laughs> it's very funny. I am looking forward to resuming my duties aboard the Enterprise. However, I am anticipating a troubling situation. What'd you think of the mislead about his birthday? Uh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Uh, I just sent you a memory beta on Forkus 3 if you have any interest in perusing it. I don't. <laughs> um, I can just gathering. say, beverages from Forkus 3 were available in the 10 Forward Lounge aboard the Enterprise D. Nice. 2371. <laughs> One such nice, drink sir. produced a strong emotional reaction from Data, who found it revolting. Oh, it's from Forkus 3. It's from a novelization. Wait, no, that's from Star Trek Generations. Oh, you're right. That's from the movie. It's from the novelization and the comic adaptation. Sorry. Gotcha. Which makes it alpha. Makes it canon. That's canon. <laughs> you and your memory betas that are actually alphas. How dare you? <laughs> I like that they have the little laser confetti. That's a nice unnecessary touch that they put in. I love surprise parties. <laughs> balloons are still identical well i mean you know everyone loves the 20th century they always are like what's true how do we decorate this party well what happened in the 20th century how'd they do it <laughs> they are obsessed uh, these people that was not a klingon song i mean that's a hell of a lung capacity it occurred to me that it was probably it would be a point of pride for Worf to make sure he blew out every candle (laughs) it wasn't easy to translate there doesn't seem to be a Klingon word for jolly it's traditional for the birthday boy to cut the cake he really has got this down for someone who hates this sends his birthday wishes he was needed on the bridge he cuts the cake. He even gives up. He puts a, a piece aside, which is a step a step farther than you would expect for the birthday person. Uh, you know, he grew up in a human household. He knows how to handle a birthday cake. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Come on. You don't think the Roshankos are making cake every year? Yeah, those people. They got um, making cake several times a year. But my th- the thing about this that I, I've always hated yeah. is the reaction. Like the audio from the, from, from the loop group. Yeah. Of how they react to the cake being cut. Uh-huh. Like one guy oh, is like, Whoa, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Here, everyone have a listen. Captain Picard sends his birthday wishes. He was needed on the bridge. 
That is great. Having done, uh, I was in charge of directing the voiceovers on uh, on Goldberg's. I often would see the uh, the Loop Group, um, and uh, it's just so bizarre to watch those people. They're like they got a good gig. They're making a good buck. They're usually actors that are like you know making a little side money. It's great for them, but just like to see them do these disembodied voices and usually overplay it so it'll be heard over on the soundtrack. Ugh. It's just the craziest thing. The cake guy was like, I just could. I was. I was. I, it's always. I don't know. Me. He's. I've it seemed like he really it. went to it. I that really bothered you in the past. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this cake. Look at this cake. Whoa. <laughs> ah, Jordy nice. walks over. The Battle of Horos, right? It's a nice bit. Worf, are you all right? Yes. Oh, Jordy, that's it. I think Data's painting is making me dizzy. Some cake. Oh, thank you, Doctor. This painting is I... making me dizzy. Andy, it's now your favorite cake. That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, let, let's stay in that alternate universe. I don't want the chocolate one as much as I want the yellow cake this with is from the chocolate fr- oh, frosting. Fr- it, it kind of looks like it isn't. A classic Betty Crocker, Drosties kind of a deal. Not Drosties, Drosties is hot chocolate. What is it, War? So say, cast of Alexander's forehead, the ridges of a warrior. He wished he could have been here when you got back from sh- What do you have to say? First of all, I guess they didn't want to spring for the uh, the Alexander uh, fee for the episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, at, look at fucking Frakes. It's just staring at the cake. <laughs> is that what he's staring at? Looks I like he's staring so. at the back of Sirtis's neck. Um, but yeah, maybe it's the cake. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, uh, they don't do a proper doubling up the, the two layers of the cake, birthday cake. Oh yeah. That is a thick, In that is future, a lot of cake. That's quite a ratio. Lost that, uh, ratio is wrong. Technology. Draw yeah. Leave. You should have seen him Worf. He stayed up all night talking about how proud he was of his father. Thank you for watching him while I was away. Oh, it was my pleasure. So, how old are you, Mr. Wolf? Captain, I was told you could not attend. <laughs> Just thinking, like, what if he was, like, a head in a jar or like, a <laughs> robot? Like, already, there was already a weird switch. Like, it was partially, like, he was Lacutus still, but in a Starfleet yeah. uniform. <laughs> it actually would have been an it. awesome little head nod if he was a Lieutenant Junior Grade at some point. <laughs> it's it's like the they cut to him, and then he went, oh, thank you. I thought you couldn't make it, Captain. Captain. <laughs> oh, can you imagine if I was Captain? <laughs> <laughs> Nurse Ogawa, come over here. The wolf just said, Captain. How old are you? I am... Old enough. <laughs> by the way, I love that Picard has by far the smallest amount of cake left on his plate. He loves cake? He was like off screen just plowing through that cake. That's a good point. In that reality. Yeah. Um, all right. So they go. It tells they... me that Patrick Stewart has the same taste in cake that I do. <laughs> so it is we impossible. We have a lot to talk about. Not, not, that the, not that the prop master kept handing him the same plate with the same. <laughs> well, he ate it. Terminate's exactly. Oh, you think location. they just. Yeah, I think they just said him that. Yeah, of course. 
That actually, good job on the by the prop guy, if that's the truth, because then that implies that he's been there the whole time, mm-hmm. which is a nice touch. There are a lot of really nice touches in this episode of attention to details that I, I would really admired in terms of the changes it, it, in the universes. It is uninhabited, but there could be a ship or a subspace relay station receiving the data. Captain, I suggest we beam a repair team aboard the array. We can begin downloading their imaging logs, find out what the array has been observing for the past six days. Make it so. Mr. Data? Hit it. <laughs> Wait, what, what do you mean? <laughs> We're going. Come All in, right, I, no, I, I guess just do it then. Just do it. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Um, let's see. Oh, they need to spend a little time developing this relationship. Having Alexander on board, I have tried to be a good father, to give him guidance. But he seems to have his own mind about some things. Most children do. I could not have come this far without your help. And Alexander looks up to you. At times, I have felt that you were like a mother to him. Worf, that's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. It's so sweet. One time when I thought I was going to die, I asked you to watch over Alexander. <laughs> what, the restacking? <laughs> yes, the way that is restacked in the dialogue is very funny. <laughs> One time when I thought I was going to die. <laughs> that is funny. So it's not remember when I was going yeah. to die. It's, <laughs> let me tell you about this thing that like, why we both experienced. Why wouldn't it just be? Why wouldn't it just be like... Remember when I suffered that spinal injury? Yeah. And I asked you. Right. <laughs> One time. <laughs> One of the nicest I just hear things it again. anyone's ever said to me. One time when I thought I was going to die, <laughs> I asked you to watch over Alexander. I was wondering if you would consider formalizing that arrangement. I want you to be Alexander's Sochim. His Sochim. You would become his surrogate mother. In case anything ever happened to me, you would be responsible for him. I don't know what to say. It's a great honor. But I'm so, not a um, fan of Alexander. <laughs> and you're the chief of security on a Federation starship, so <laughs> it's a pretty good chance. <laughs> like, I mean, it's a higher chance than, say, if I were to become, I don't know, uh, uh, a gardener's uh, kids. <laughs> the closest analogy is stepsister. That would make my mother your stepmother. I had not considered that. (laughs) It is a risk I am willing to take. I accept. I am. And also, we've been talking uh, over in Disco Land about our issues with the sort of the ways they suddenly have, you know, characters weeping and they're indicating that they're the best of friends and it's whatever and, you know, it's feeling like, eh, they haven't... This is a perfect example of... I had heard... I, I know that somewhere in my brain had been murmurings of, like, maybe they would 
there was going to be something that might happen between these two characters, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure exactly what it was. I, I first of all, I'm fucking delighted. I love this direction for the characters, and it's a perfect example of how, in contrast, this show has laid the groundwork, and maybe they weren't even aware until you know, who who knows how many episodes before that they were going to go in this direction, but it's like. It totally is organic. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. They haven't spent that much shoe leather building it up between them, but it just it it's a totally logical extrapolation of these characters in a way that's so satisfying and exactly what you want to see later in a in a, in a series. Um, I just loved it. Yeah, it's not it's it's earned. They've they've earned it even accidental. I mean, it's just like life. You know, you put in enough situations with enough people you're gonna have different um dynamics and the dynamics will make sense it's just like if yeah it also kind of like even struck me as sort of almost like a great uh, the the best improv scenes are ones where you are organically building you're not you know mechanically creating a situation you're organically making discoveries along the way and i almost feel like that's kind of what this is is like oh these two actually be really interesting together and it kind of makes sense mm. and they and then they land it perfectly in my opinion in this episode they build it perfectly they spend the right amount of, i i gotta say right off the top because i'm not sure where you stand on it mm-hmm. i'm a huge fan of this episode i think that they spend the right amount of time on the wharf deanna stuff i think they spend the right amount of time on the sci-fi plot I think they the extrapolations. It's just so many. It's such a well balanced episode. I just really love it. I mean, I it, it's funny to think about, right? Like the concept of parallel dimensions and timelines is so like everybody's doing it right now. Yeah. Um. But you look at this, which was uh, you know, almost thirty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> And they were and like, they were like, okay, let's squeeze this entire concept out in forty-four minutes, yeah, and close the book on it. It's astonishing when you when you think of it in that context, yeah. and how how elegantly they handle yep. it, and they advance this relationship between two of the major characters in a in a way where you're using the the pre the, the the device of the alternate dimensions mm-hmm. in the perfect way to open up his eyes to the possibility of this relationship and yet they still handle it in an elegant way where it's not like this unsatisfying kind of which always trouble always bothers me when it's like it was either all a dream or only one person remembers it and the other people don't remember the relationship d- developments mm-hmm. like and this is a way that lands it perfectly in a way that makes sense. It's just so satisfying. Well, also, like, like, Worf remembers it. He does remember it, but sometimes they have a thing where it's like... No, of course. One... They could have gone that way. They could have gone the way of when you go back, it might be two days before and you'll have no memory of this. Right, right. Exactly. They could have absolutely done that, but they didn't. Right. Which it kind of feels like where they're going with the next Spider-Man movie. Oh, I haven't seen the latest trailer. Jing Logs. It appears the array was reprogrammed to observe several Federation sites. This is Deep Space Five, Starbase 47, the Yadara Colony, and the Utopia Planitia shipyards. 
They're responsible for new starship development. Someone is using the array for covert surveillance <laughs> of the Federation. That feels like another one of those. Yeah. We believe unauthorized access was made six days ago. The imaging logs from that day show a ship approaching the array. That is a Cardassian ship, galore class. We're only three light years from Cardassian space. They would have easy access to the array. Mr. Wolf, start a long range. <laughs> the, the, uh, this universe, the balls on the Cardassians to take the Federation array, reprogram it, point it at them. <laughs> It really is. It really is. Totally. Fuck it. Douchey. Cardassian ships nearby. Aye, sir. Um, Here's a propulsion analysis of the Cardassian vessel. You might try scanning for its energy configuration. Lieutenant, are you all right? I like how this is shot, too. It is disorienting. And it's such a minor touch that just the blocking has good. switched and Picard Maybe is gone. Go yes. yes, perhaps I will. Is sickbay still in this warp core? <laughs> <laughs> no! Warp! <laughs> or blurred vision. I wonder what Galore no. is. Yeah, Galore did core, they got the Galore class ships. Earlier today. At my birthday celebration. He's probably like, what do you guys, yeah, somebody walks into the room. Okay, guys, you come up with any names of the Cardassian ship? Oh, we got names galore. Perfect. <laughs> I like it. Let's go. What? No, that was, all right. <laughs> Sounds like you're having some of the side effects from the concussion. I can give you some vertizine for the dizziness, but I'd like you to rest. Doctor, perhaps you are thinking of another patient. I have no concussion. Worf. Please do you not perform an autopsy on me. <laughs> I'm not I dead. You. You had a concussion. One time I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I asked Deanna to, uh, well, you don't need to hear about this. Temporary memory loss is common for this kind of injury. Do you remember telling me about the Batleth tournament? I couldn't shut up about you it. You said that one of the competitors <laughs> hit you over the head. That's why you lost the match. I won that tournament. So and I can offended. prove it to you. Come on. Come with me. Leave your patience. There's now I'm stepping out with war. Why? Uh, he wants to show me something. A trophy? Actually, I don't know. I'm actually about to go into surgery. All right. <laughs> this had pointy things on it. <laughs> I promise you. It says ninth place. Klingons would not give anything for ninth place. Why would I have this? <laughs> it is. It would be a Obviously huge humiliation. Alive. At that point, just, you should just kill yourself. There's personal logs on Shuttlecraft Curie. Show my log entry for Stardate 47391.2. Personal log, Stardate 47391.2. I am returning from the Batleth competition on Forkus 3. I wish that this wharf had just stepped out of the shower and was doing this naked. <laughs> the conditions were difficult. Several contenders were maimed. One of the contenders used an illegal tikah maneuver on me. The judges chose to ignore it, and I was robbed of my. It right adds up standing. that uh, if Worf had gotten ninth warned. place, he would have his his uh, his rationalization all all loaded up. <laughs> <laughs> There's obviously there are many reasons for this. Let me go into them. 
Well, wait, Beverly, I, I want you to hear all of this. Well, I know you, it doesn't prove anything just, anymore. Couldn't but, you uh, just have been the ninth best Batleth warrior? No! <laughs> How dare you! I should kill you where you stand. <laughs> Lieutenant, have you completed the metallurgical scan of the array? Sir? The metallurgical scan. Have you completed it? I do not remember you asking me to... Captain, there's a Cardassian ship approaching, Galore class. Open a channel. What does Galore mean? <laughs> this is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise. You are in Federation territory. Please explain your presence. We were wondering the same thing about you, Captain. Why would Starfleet's flagship want to venture so close to the Cardassian border? No way it's all green. Man. One of some space space too telescopes. I see. May we Maybe offer it's a our assistance? No, thank you. Everything <laughs> is under control. If you don't mind my. No, it, it matches like the. Because um, by this time, DS9's on. So it like, matches the architecture of. Oh, is that what they use? D Space Nine. Green equals mean. What exactly is this telescope of yours designed to do? It is a long range subspace array. We use it for gathering data on astronomical phenomena. I'm certain it would never be used to observe a neighboring species. Certainly not. Well, Seems like this guy's kind of... Best uh, of luck with your repairs. Light-handed. There's not I, a single single other person there. Well, it's all automated. Uh, you see, I'm the I'm the smartest Cardassian. <laughs> um, I like the diplomatic dance. Oh, it's that, great. That's that right up your alley. Picard is doing here. Yeah. Um, nothing else to say except I enjoyed it. Captain, that ship was responsible for reprogramming the array. What are you saying? It is the same class and energy configuration as the ship we saw in the imaging logs. The imaging logs? Are you suggesting that you have evidence that the Cardassians have tampered with the array? They are using the array as a surveillance device. You saw the logs yourself. I haven't heard anything about this. Neither have I. <laughs> Commander Data, show them the logs you downloaded from the array. I know of no such logs. Mr. Wolf, are you feeling all right? Yes. Mr. Data, perhaps you had better re-examine the array, see if you can find any evidence to support Mr. Wolf's claims. Dr. Crusher says I am experiencing further memory loss, but my instincts tell me it is more than that. I remember those imaging logs. I can tell you every detail, every word. Wolf, let's assume for a second. <laughs> I was talking about my victory. Things did happen. Them. I was not ninth place. Everyone's memory on this ship has been altered, but yours. I'm telling you, Deanna, I won that competition. <laughs> Have you not been on this ship? That's a possibility. Shit happens here. Yeah. Counselor. Worf, I wanted you to know that we re-examine the imaging logs. They don't show a Cardassian ship. Or any evidence that the array was reprogrammed. From what we can tell, the arrays suffered a simple mechanical failure. That is not right. I was certain that... What's wrong? Oh, no, the painting is somewhere else. This is bullshit. Worf, maybe you should come with me to sickbay. Now, Mr. Wolf, 
I like that in the other dimension, Data decided to do something uh, a little bit more literal as a painting. <laughs> <laughs> now! I mean, this what, was, a, what yeah. a bummer, man. He can't get the shields up. This was uh, this is kind of a nice little like look at what what Riker would be like in this situation because he c- clearly can't blame Worf. It was clearly a, like it's a medical like you know mental health issue, <laughs> but he could tell he's kind of like, nah. you know, those people died <laughs> because of you. Nah. <laughs> Firing photon torpedoes. Full spread. <laughs> Hull breaches on deck 17 and 36. Ensign, take us out of here. Maximum warp. Aye, sir. Are they pursuing us? No, sir. They are firing on the Argus array. What do you think of the different different enterprise designs? Bridge to engineering. Uh, That bridge... We saw that bridge before. In the future, imperfect episode. Oh, really? With Riker... Remember when Riker's in the that little green aliens uh, fantasy? Uh-huh. <laughs> what happened to that guy? Commander LaForge has been taken to sickbay with plasma burns. There's serious damage to the secondary plasma conduit, but I think we've got it under control. Acknowledged. Ensign Lane, course to Starbase 129. Aye, sir. What happened back there, Mr. Wolf? I what happened to you? Believe I Your chair's red now. What do you think loss. about that? Memory loss. What are you talking about? Well, you see, I know that I won this competition. <laughs> Request permission to be temporarily relieved of duty, sir. Granted. It's our seventh right. tactical officer this week. What are we going to do? <laughs> He has like, like a like an award for a, like a film award on the on the, the wall maybe, behind him. Maybe he did make the best documentary on the Enterprise. <laughs> Flowers. Actually, I guess that's a great touch because because Deanna's there. There has been a malfunction in the ship's main deflector. It will require two more days of repairs. As a result, I will not be able to compete in the Bantleth tournament on Forkus 3. I have asked my brother to take my place. He does not have my prowess with the blade. No! <laughs> I should have continued. I want to hear what else I say about myself. <laughs> my brother is much worse than me. You will definitely lose. Why'd you lock the door? Why shouldn't I? I heard what happened on the bridge. Are you all right? I am not sure. Do you want to talk about it? I would rather not, Counselor. Very well, Lieutenant. <laughs> That's a nice touch, too. Hot chocolate. <laughs> is there something I can do great. for you? <laughs> Actually, there is. The door open <laughs> that long lean from Torn. 
very funny. And then the shot of him peeking around the corner. It's so great. <laughs> he's got a lot of film awards. He's, he's got cutties. He's got uh, Ace, Ace uh, Editing Awards. <laughs> Wait, he's also got Cable Ace Awards? <laughs> That's right. He's got a lot of different stuff. I just want you to relax for a minute. There. <laughs> he's so. He's really playing it very funny. Yeah, I thought it was right. Ace is American you Cinema Editors. So well, tense. yes, you were correct, and I. Oh, you made, you that, made, I made a joke. A cable I, I know you don't want to talk about what happened on the bridge. I'm sure, I was right. <laughs> you were just worried that you might have made a wrong reference when you in fact made the correct reference. Yes. <laughs> there are times when it's just best to let things out. This is. Fantastic. Come on. If you can't talk to me, who can you talk to? Hmm? <laughs> I do not believe this is appropriate behavior. Even for your wife? Wife? This tells me that our universe's wharf is a little bit more of a tight ass than these other wharfs, and I wonder why. Wolf, what's wrong? What, what occurred in our universe? Why do more we still? Of a if you are my wife, why do we still have a double bed? <laughs> <laughs> None of this I makes do sense. Not remember us. Also, why wouldn't we take your quarters? It's bigger and has windows. <laughs> Circumstances continue to change from moment to moment, but I am the only one who seems to be aware of it. Are you saying you don't remember the last three years? You don't remember us falling in love and getting married? I do remember the last three years, but they were different. We did not have this Two different times people say, you don't remember we what friends. happened? Is is just really interesting the element of arrogance of the people the in each different universe is that it's like, if you don't know what happened here, that means nothing ever happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're just a void. You're a bag of water. <laughs> I like the subtlety of uh, also the pool table in uh, engineering is um, flipped 180 degrees. Oh, that's nice. I'm on my way. The other thing that I love, I think it's me. in this scene. Commander. How long have I been married to Councillor Troy? Two yeah. years, one month, twelve days. Did you notice it? And when did the this warp core having a different no, front to it? Data has blue eyes. I didn't notice that. They just didn't put the contacts in. That's they brilliant. didn't even. They didn't even refer to it. I love how it's, how how small the detail is. I like how you're so looking at like, that. Data I'm looks looking, different. I'm looking at the front panel of on course. the on the warp core. <laughs> And the, looking into his and the table eyes. being different. How long have I been married to Councillor Troy? Two years, one month. Very subtle. Days. Nicely done, Andy. And I did not when notice did this that. relationship begin? I love it. It is my understanding your romantic affiliation began shortly after you recovered from your spinal injury on Stardate 45586. But do you see the dilithium chamber and how it's different? Let me see it again. It was six months later that it's you got a whole Elkar's panel on it, and it's blinking. To court Counselor Troy, uh, yeah, you felt to do otherwise would be dishonorable. That's what I noticed. <laughs> <And then we made. laughs> I am not privy to the exact 
details of when, where, or how your first coupling took place. Together, we're observant. (laughs) That is all right. I am detecting no temporal anomalies in this system. Perhaps we should attempt to pinpoint the exact moment when events became discontinuous. Do you remember the first change? I was in sickbay. Dr. Crusher told me I had a concussion, but I do not remember that happening. Think back. Are you certain that was the very first change? Before. Yes. My, my cake was different. Yes, I was in engineering. <laughs> I felt a wave that, of that dizziness. That was actually when a good I change. Up, you and Commander LaForge were on the opposite side of the room. Captain Picard was gone. I thought I had blacked out for a moment and had not observed your movements. And at my birthday party, the cake was chocolate, and then it was yellow. And Commander Riker told me Captain Picard was not going to attend, and then suddenly he was there. Hmm. We should try to find the commonalities in these events. (laughs) Who were the people you were with? Everyone was at my birthday party. You should have seen it. It was glorious. (laughs) 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 I had just won the battle tournament. (laughs) I think they were mostly there to congratulate me on my victory. They all wanted to see my trophy. (laughs) It had the pointy things then. Uh, This was the greatest part. (laughs) Ogawa. Only getting one line, though. <laughs> I think she got... Well, let's count them. I think she got more. Doctor, is Jordy well enough to answer a few questions? Jordy's dead. One. <laughs> it's only one. <laughs> you got to save that. I just think that's a funny thing to play when the line is Jordy's dead. Jordy's dead. Beginnings of cellular decomposition. I see nothing that connects these bio readings to your recent sense of discontinuity. There's a note in his hand. It says Worf did this. Two. (laughs) This is what's the most, because I was like, oh my God, they're going to give her her lines. Perhaps we should activate it. Hook it up to the diagnostic array. Three! (laughs) The visor is active. Worf, are you all right? (laughs) This is is when they do her dirty. (laughs) They switched the universes before she got her five lines. Dr. Crusher was not here. Dr. Ogawa was. Very strange that Dr. they would Ogawa. just put a little my uniform has changed. shiny hanky over Jordy's uh, unmentionables, and that's it. That's well, like that's, one of the only that's times they've done that. we're in Beverly Crusher Town, and she was <laughs> just about, about to do an autopsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first officer. Are we still married? Yes. I am detecting a quantum flux in your cellular RNA. What does that mean? I do not know. I will have to analyze these readings. Back to yellow eyes. Yeah. I have found that the quantum flux in Worf's cellular RNA extends to the subatomic level. It is asynchronous with normal matter. In essence, Captain, 
Mr. Worf does not belong in our universe. What? All matter in the universe resonates on a quantum level. But he's got the signature. bone behind him instead that of uh, Shakespeare. <laughs> it cannot be changed through any known process. It is the basic foundation of existence. Are you saying that Worf's quantum signature is different from ours? Yes, sir. I cannot explain it. It is as if he originates from a different quantum universe. Mr. Worf, you say the discontinuity started to occur after you returned from a Batleth tournament on Forkus 3. Yes, sir. Which I won't. Now, I know for a fact that you never <laughs> attended that tournament. Bullshit. No I'm a winner. Has left the Enterprise for over a month. <laughs> I understand that. But I also clearly remember attending the tournament and returning to the ship in a shuttlecraft. Do you remember the route you took to return? Yes. Let's backtrack that course, see if there are any unusual readings or anomalies. Aye, sir. <laughs> I feel like I feel like if Picard was here, he'd be like, Data, send a class three probe along that route. <laughs> we'll have to continue on to the Argus array. <laughs> if I may inquire, sir, how long have you been captain of the Enterprise? Four years. Ever since Captain Picard was killed in the incident with the Borg. But Patrick Stewart did not renew his contract in this universe. This. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember. It's another, he's another, there's another time Riker says, you don't remember? Right. Um, I, uh, I love this moment. I also love the grounding for... Worf having courted Deanna and 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 uh and Data saying, Yeah, you went and you went to Riker and you made sure it was, you know, cool with him and like that was such a nice detail. And then this is so such a nice like even though it's a temporary thing, Worf is upset that Picard died in that incident. It's really really great. Yeah. And it's also like it's a good it's a good um instance of a show rewarding viewers who over time have been with the stories yeah and like but written, not in a way that that doesn't would alienate throws... people who haven't yes exactly yeah, that's yeah. that is fucking pro television writing yes that is amazing minus saying one time when i thought i was gonna die yes there's a couple of <laughs> other ways also, to say it but also you know. the, the utopia planitia thing instead of saying right. that's where this is just sort of like if it's sort of even if he'd sort of played it sort of saying it to himself no but Worf utopia should have said planitia, that they? yeah that would definitely be a Worf line he should be like utopia planitia that is where all of our chapters are like an angry security threat you know but you could have had yeah that's fair you also could have just had him saying it to himself nope couldn't have. Writers rooms. Everyone knows that. This was amazing. Up a minor subspace disturbance off the port bow. Yeah, uh, it's also like I like what I like about it too is the. Uh, this feels like this would be commercial breaky if it was now. Right, they would like go Wesley, yeah, and then yeah. it would end. Yeah. Yes, and this is playing it so so right where it's just like no 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 this is a different universe this is this is so matter of fact here's what's happening uh, you really that's really on target because that's a thing another thing that i love about this episode is that it's just so matter of fact as it would be for every other person on that mm-hmm. in that uh in the new universe is they don't see anything wrong it's only Worf that sees anything wrong um and also the level of detail even about the interaction how wesley is 
confident, obviously. He's been there the whole time. And how Wesley is useful, how they use him in the conference room scene in the next scene is like, it's perfect. Like, yes, of course. If you had held on to Wesley for as long for him to grow into a young man, then he would be... I mean, having a genius would be incredibly helpful. Well, he like was also having like, data. He was at the con um, during the battle, best best of both worlds. So, yeah. And it's also it's funny because like that was their their whole thing of like when Will wanted to leave to go. Well, when Will wanted to go do those movies, and they're like, "No, we can't let you out of your contract. You can't leave." Yeah. But we'll make you a lieutenant. <laughs> and he right. was like, he was like, what? <laughs> Give me a fake, fake rank. Like, <laughs> so I like that. Like when they bring him back, he's a lieutenant. Uh, yeah. What do you think of the new go. deltas? I like that switch too. They're from Future Imperfect as well. Oh, are they? Yeah. I, I really like these. They have the rank insignia on them. Yeah. See the, the silver, two gold, and a silver. That's a lieutenant commander. If it was three gold, it's a commander. Four gold, captain. There's to be a quantum fissure in the space-time continuum. Love it. On screen. The anomaly cannot be seen, but I believe I can enhance it with the field to make it visible. Oh yeah, because the it's Bajorans are not from this more distance, sir. apparently the Bajorans are the aggressors here in this universe. What do you take? Uh, what? How, how do you read that? The subtext of that? Uh, the um, sort of I don't know. Just another choice. thing to go. Oh wow, the, this universe is different. It is true, but it's sort of I don't know. I, I don't know because there's so much loaded in, sort of thematically and politically, to the to the setup of Cardassians uh, and Bajorans. It's interesting to have a an alternate universe where the Bajorans are, you know, the aggressors. Mm-hmm. I look if you're going to do it, this is the episode to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm also detecting an ion trail intersecting the phenomenon. I believe it was left by a Starfleet Type Six shuttlecraft. So I was here. Told you. I have an explanation, sir. <laughs> Commander, scan for my trophy. Discovered a fixed point across the space-time continuum. You could do both. Keyhole. Uh, uh, okay, so this is the this is where the episode I was like, okay, all right, let's just all sit here and listen to this techno babble explanation. You, you know, and and it's it's a lot of work. You got to juggle to fit. You know, the whole explanation of parallel universes, how this yeah. happened, uh, and how we can stop it, all have to go into this conference room scene. Yeah. And uh, thusly, you're just going to, it's just, you're getting so much techno babble. I have an explanation, sir. I believe the quantum fissure we discovered is a fixed point across the space time continuum, a keyhole which intersects many other quantum realities. What do you mean, quantum realities? For any event, there is an infinite number of possible outcomes. Our choices determine which outcomes will follow. There must be like, in the future, uh, after this episode, there must be like heavy, heavy uh, Federation guarding of this keyhole. Oh, yeah. Because you could really fuck things up. <laughs> he said it was a fixed point. I would yeah. think that they would also, there'd be some other plots or plans or things that would happen like well we could go back to the keyhole and solve this yeah but there is a theory in quantum physics that all possibilities that can happen do happen in alternate quantum realities and somehow i have been shifting 
from one reality to another. That is correct. How did this happen? I like how Worf, Worf, I like how Worf still took his regular seat instead of sitting next to the captain. Yeah. <laughs> Shuttlecraft came into contact with quantum fissure. I believe its warp engines caused a small break in the barriers between quantum realities. Worf was thrown into a state of quantum flux. He immediately shifted into other realities. And Geordi's visor somehow triggered that effect. Exactly. The visor uses a subspace field pulse. I believe that whenever Geordi came near Worf, the field pulse intensified the quantum flux and pushed Worf into another reality. Well, how can we find my original quantum state and return me to it? We could scan the quantum fissure using a subspace differential pulse. Maybe we could find the quantum state that shares Worf's signature and find a way to get him back. I also like that Will Wheaton just slides right into it. And, uh, I mean, obviously he was doing it for years, but he's made the adjustment of playing it like an adult and a confident person. Yeah. It's really nice. But also it's like, it's interesting that he's the, I would think he'd be the engineer or something, but he's the tactical officer. He always wanted to be on the bridge. Sure. Now, Wesley, you could either be the chief tactical officer and have your post back here, or we could put you in astrophysics. <laughs> Although I have never seriously I have a more imagination than that. I would not be opposed to the possibility. What about our children? I never thought that I had a shot with you. Children. You didn't know? When the last shift occurred in sickbay... We did not have any children. This is all happening so fast. <laughs> we have a little girl, Shannara. She's two years old. And a three-year-old boy, Eric Christopher. <laughs> Sounds like Deanna had the uh, reins on naming the children. <laughs> Shannara feels Klingani. What about Alexander? Is it? Yeah. Like Shannara. Alexander. Feels like a bit more. Well, I guess Alexander is a basic name. Reality. Well, that's his mother. Well, that, that, that was named by right. that was named by uh, a half human. half human and a yeah. Russian. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is so nice. <laughs> I've used a differential pulse to analyze over ten million quantum states within the fissure but I still haven't found one with your signature. This may take some time, sir. I'm surprised Captain, they, a Bajoran at ship this point. Project. He was in college at this point? Uh, yeah, I think it was at UCLA. Yeah. Gotcha. Because I feel like, at this point, like he's perfect. Bring him back. <laughs> Red alert. The Bajorans? Put him in DS9. I think, he's, I think at this point, like this is like the point in time when he was Hardwick's roommate. Uh-huh. Which is hilarious to me. That is hilarious. Cardassian empires have become more and more. That is a nerdy room. (laughs) Telescopes, because they thought we were using it to spy against them. They're charging their weapons, sir. Shields. Did I do it right, Captain? I'm a good first (laughs) officer, right? I didn't screw it up this time. They damaged our power system, sir. It's caused an energy surge within the subspace pulse. The quantum fissure is beginning to destabilize. Can we disengage the pulse? Disengage. Late, sir. Grab that sound bite. <laughs> what the hell is happening? I didn't notice. Do any of the Enterprises between... look different? 
No. Quantum realities are breaking down. That's too bad. Other realities are emerging into our own. This is classic end of Picard duplication. <laughs> is this the USS Zhang? Hey. <laughs> the rate of quantum incursions is increasing exponentially. At this rate, the sector will be completely filled with enterprises within three days. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, all of the space in a 20-light-year sector just chock full of galaxy-class <laughs> starships? Also, do you think that the Bajorans are like, what the fuck did we just do? Now there's a thousand. They've just all decloaked or something. So we should probably go. <laughs> Stop additional realities from entering our own. What then? How do we get the Enterprises that are already here back to where they belong? In theory, the act of sealing the fissure should restore the barriers between quantum states. The ships would return to their own realities. Lieutenant Crusher, send a General Hale. All ships. Aye, sir. This is Captain Riker of the Enterprise. That is the Enterprise that is indigenous to this universe. They're pulling rank there, right? We've all encountered a quantum anomaly. We think we have found a way to return us all to our proper realities. But we need to find that ship which exhibits a certain quantum signature. Our Mr. Data will transmit that signature to you now. <laughs> I really like this moment. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, there's a lot of... <laughs> Anything? There's too much calm traffic, sir. It's tough <laughs> to isolate. Well, I have, well, if you look at mine, then it's possible that it's just a bunch of enterprises Someone all trying responding. to get there. <laughs> On screen. Captain, it would appear that we have found the quantum signature you were looking for. Data believes that by sending Worf back through the fissure again, it would return us all to our proper realities. Our data has said the same thing. We need you to send us our data is your slightly shuttlecraft better than yours. We're launching it now. Thank you. It's good to see you again, Captain. It's been a long time. Awkward. Will, what's happening? <laughs> I thought he might have been looking back to Will going like, you never say things like that to me, Will. You don't miss You me. never say it's nice to see me. Every I, morning I, I come into all, the shift. That moment, I don't know, this fucking, this, this episode was firing on all cylinders for me. That, that moment almost brought tears to my eyes it was so again you're building on what we know about the characters it's an organic moment that is what will would have said if he had lost picard against the borg it was just such a beautiful moment to play out and i think part of the reason i love this episode so much is that so frequently they'll have the sci-fi premise or device and I think we, you know, we've had so many episodes, even this season, where we've watched it and kind of gone, well, they either took a long time to get to it, or why are they wasting time on this scene that's not really, mm -hmm. you know, an extrapolation of the yeah. thing? And it's just like this is a perfect. There are so many. There is not a misstep in terms of like, oh, that is what I would love to see if you were doing you using this particular device. Yeah, and you know also I mean? the the pay, we never had a problem with the pacing. Even the downbeat moments where you're like having character moments with Riker, uh, with uh, Worf and Deanna, yeah, uh, are earned, organic, and interesting. Yeah, and uh, it's a real, it's a, it's just, it's a very well paced episode. It's fantastic. Um, and also, like the other thing I like about that moment too is just how Picard reacts to it. 
in the sense right. of like where he's just like ma- very matter of fact like captain Riker. like he's like okay you're the captain i'll address you as such and totally let's go Did they send the right shuttle yes sir uh, no, they didn't. Uh, it was a, it's a prank from from the other Commander Riker. Uh, if we open this, there's a surprise party for you. In one in one of the universes, Riker is really an inappropriate prankster. He is he is Lieutenant Pranksman actually. Signature precisely. I have remodulated the shuttle's engines to emit an inverse warp field. You will need to activate that field at the precise moment you enter the fissure. Assuming it works, will I find myself near my own ship? That is one possibility. However, the uncertainty principle dictates that time is a variable in this equation. You may end up several days before the event, or several days after. There is no way to tell. I understand. Good luck. Also, my question is, well, which is never answered, but like, does the other wharf... That was a question they, I wanted to Do the wharfs yeah. swap places? We don't know. It seemed like the other one was just sort of quietly in the background like oh good i can get back to my my universe oh, but it finally is. i will be commander again <laughs> but i do wonder what the rules are of that what if he's like but in this universe i won the tournament and in that universe i didn't even participate i don't want to go back <laughs> i refuse but your but your Warf, children you and your wife <laughs> ah. <laughs> this was also amazing I, I think the other wharf would be like, bro. That is true. The other wharf would be like a little bit concerned. It almost felt like he was like, well, I'm married to her. I'm curious what it feels like to kiss her. Maybe we see if we have chemistry. <laughs> so I'll call you again? <laughs> anyway, I had a really nice time. <laughs> I'll, I'll message you. <laughs> Setting course for the Fisher. Acknowledge. In the, so the, once the, again, the, I did win that tournament. <laughs> the uh, like the the little twist at the end is great. Like it's uh, that's the other thing. Yeah. This could have been an even shot to the end. Yeah. And they add this fantastic twist. We won't go back. Yeah. You don't know what it's like in our universe. You see my beard? It's so long. <laughs> one of the last ships left, please. You've got to help us. I'm sorry, there's no choice. If this works, everything will return to... No, we won't go back! Sir, they're firing on the shuttlecraft. Open fire. Try to disable. Direct hit. Do any of the other ships fire on it? Or just... just just That would be awesome if they all shot at it. (laughs) What happened? It looks like the ship had already taken heavy damage. Their and how great must have been weak. that Probably. fucking... They have to kill themselves. So crazy. Like Riker has to shoot on himself. <laughs> well, I mean, he just wanted to disable him. He didn't want to kill him. Well, he, did, he did admire his beard. Fighting with the Borg. Captain, maybe I should Borg make my hair more. <laughs> In a scruffy like his was. Charging primary systems? Warp is undeterred. Initiating inverse warp field. So did this 
the inverse war- <laughs> they're all there's one wharf in the back that's just chilling with a with a cup i don't know let's assume it's a solo cup but i also like the implication that like so many other wharfs are commanders <laughs> right yeah this one this one is he's a little bit uh, he's holding onto the holding on the reins a little too tight our wharf Also, although we here. don't know how many of them had a had a Picard that died in Fairness Dwarf. The only the only like the only out of character thing in this entire episode for anybody in any reality, yeah, is Picard small like small talking over the comms. <laughs> <laughs> how was the tournament? <laughs> I'm still not in the right universe. Enterprise here, <laughs> Captain. Is everything all right? Yes, Lieutenant. Is that a problem? No, I do not believe so. But I will explain when I arrive. How is the Batleth tournament? Pretty good. <laughs> it was fine, sir. It was more than fine. I won champion standing. <laughs> he did it. He had to say it. <laughs> the pointy things are intact. <laughs> I let you hold it when I get back. Need to worry about. No, <laughs> he's like, he like lands the shuttle, and he's like, uh, he's just, I'm, I'm only taking my batleth and my trophy, <laughs> ensign. Get my other says, stuff. Is everything okay after all these things? People have died. The universe almost broke apart. And he looks down, and he's like, Ah, I still won. <laughs> yep, everything's great. Leave the inverse warp field resealed. It. I'm looking forward to reading your report. Well, also me and Troy were thinking, well, whatever. Something wrong? <laughs> I know Hi. what you are planning, sir. I will not be surprised. Surprised? I don't know what you're talking about. Of course you don't. So that suggests he was already in that's, an alternate That suggests universe. that the second that he... The second that he passed through that part of space, right, and, and ripped it open, he oh, went. oh, right, right, right. He was already in. Yeah. Welcome home, Worf. I hope you don't mind. I let myself in. I promised Alexander I'd feed his Dalvin hissing beetle while you were both away. Seems like an Alexander pet. So you do not live here. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> it is a long story, but I could tell it. Succinctly in 44 minutes. <laughs> Happy birthday, Worf. If I was a true professional Will writer. I wanted to give you a surprise party, but I knew you'd hate it, so I talked him out of it. That's the other great thing. She's so <laughs> sensitive you. to his... I know Klingons like to be alone on their birthdays. You probably want to meditate or hit yourself with a pain stick or something. <laughs> Deanna. Busting his balls. You do not have to leave. Oh? I have not had dinner. Would you care to join me? Oh, I'm sensing this. <laughs> That's true. I hadn't even thought about it in that moment. She knows exactly what's up. And she is down. And then we see on like it cuts to um 
it cuts to <laughs> Mrs. Troy in a in a ship. She had orchestrated this whole thing to get her a, a, a husband. <laughs> the whole thing with the parallel universes. All right, Mr. Hom, we can shut down the parallel universe generator. I believe it's worked. Champagne. <laughs> Klingon bloodshed. It is kind of a, it's a hard move, just like. You want to have dinner to champagne in like 15 but, seconds. But he's also like, eh, I got this. <laughs> I guess that's true. He's seen many other iterations where he's been, yeah. uh, where it's all worked out fine. Uh, all right, here we go. Let's do a little bit of this. Well, it's the MVC, yeah, the MVC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? If you don't like who they pick, just remember that this podcast is free. I know who I want it to be. Who do you want it to be? I want it to be Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> and he did contribute. <laughs> uh, you could argue that he was one of the one of the more instrumental people in getting Worf back. Uh, yeah, but uh, Data had literally every answer. Data, Data did. Ha- he didn't have every answer. I think. Oh I no, think he did. Data even gives the gives think, points to Wesley and says, "Oh, that's very, you know, very good point." Wesley. He didn't have time to think about it because he was so busy with the other answers. That's <laughs> well, that's. I would say minimally we should split the vote. <laughs> no, I disagree. I think it's entirely data. Honestly, oh, yeah. just the way that techno babble rolls out of him, it's like I know why this is happening, and I'm, if we have the exact shuttle, we could close the fissure. I'm giving mine to Wesley. <laughs> that's ridiculous, but I'll give he, it to Worf because go it's back to that scene. Anyway. He has. <laughs> He had he had a he had a point. I don't remember what aspect of the techno babble, but Data even gave it up to him. And also, he was the one who navigated his way through the com traffic. How many Andy's does this episode get? Filtered all those emails. Who, you know how who, hard it is to filter emails. So you're like, this guy really <laughs> yeah. nailed it. Only a genius could do it. He's also the one that shot the uh, the uh, the photon torpedoes that destroyed the other Enterprise. <laughs> He's the one that failed at following his captain's orders of disabling. <laughs> Oh, that's true. He should have scanned. So maybe maybe fire a phaser at it. You don't have to throw a fucking photon torpedo its way. <laughs> it's like, man, those people are already dead anyway. They live in a Borg universe. So I find it hard to believe that the other Enterprise had photon torpedoes left if you're battling the Borg like that. That's a really um, good point. Okay, so I say, Data, you say Lieutenant Wesley Crusher. Uh, that's right. And then I played, the, I played it, so... How many Andes does this episode get? How many Andes does this episode get? Um, I uh, I hear you on the the techno babble, um, but I really, uh, in terms of my enjoyment, uh, that counterbalances any what 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 are for me anyway. Uh, pretty mi- that's a pretty minor flaw. Uh, because even though it did also bump me in terms of like how they resolved that all the all the ships are going to go back, the most important things were all addressed emotionally. It's sound organically. They're building from everything that they've done in the series. Like this is what this whole series seven season should be. And I understand there are a lot of ups and downs. And 
the 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 dealing with a large shift in the relationships of two major characters while organically building it um, in a logical way from the device. Everything they kept keep showing us things that they don't have to show us. The level of detail, like stuff like Data's eyes, I just love it. And it's as you say, it's all paced perfectly. There's not a an inch of fat on this fucking carcass <laughs> I don't know, whatever, on this whole episode uh i give it a 10 uh i i, I wait we should have like a special <laughs> it's too late now well i guess we could yeah. use it for ds9 but like when we give an episode a 10 it should have a a special it should what, have a jingle like a, yeah you give it a, say you give it a 10 again uh i tell you matt i give this one a 10 <laughs> as yeah, close as sure. i can come yeah uh i give it a it's really it's enjoyable pacing's perfect the the, the techno babble explanation of the end is the only thing that slightly detracts for me do you have a, a way that you would have done it that would have been different? it would have taken too long they, i think they, they think uh-huh. they had to do it this way yeah. to keep the pace the way they kept it i think that's the other thing like my issue is like oh all the other ships go back and like that's like well you know to go into a whole long thing of either getting them go back one by one or how you would do it by is, the way if this was Discovery, this would right. be a four to nine episode arc. It's true, and it would. And all, by the way, and also every bit of information that we got, yeah, in this one episode would have been stretched over. I yeah. mean, I, it just would have been ridiculous. This is the other thing um, in terms of like us saying, "Oh, well, they would have had to spend more time on the techno babble." In many other less uh, effective episodes they spend a lot of too much time on the mechanics of how they're going to deal with the 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 device the sci-fi device um and or they clear the decks for scenes of interaction that aren't satisfying every single time there's a digression it's satisfying in this episode and that's why i give it a 9.5 9.5. There it is. <laughs> the, All right. The 10 uh, score. We're going to watch <laughs> the trailer for the next episode. Couple of couple of funs in a row here. We got Pegasus coming up. Here it is. Trailer for Pegasus. When Riker joins forces with his former captain... You've been instructed not to reveal the true nature of our mission to anyone else. He sacrifices his loyalty to Picard. May I suggest you take this up with Admiral? I'm taking this up with you, Will! Now he's sworn to secrecy on a dangerous mission. Armin and Warbur decloaking directly ahead. That could upset the balance of power forever. How many people are going to die this time? A hundred? A thousand? Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm into it. Yeah. That guy's a... Is he another captain or he's an admiral? He's an admiral. Yeah, of course. That so, guy's a perfect. He's probably that actor a bad is a admiral. Terry O'Quinn. Yeah, he is a perfect bad admiral. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're a big Terry O'Quinn booster. <laughs> he's fantastic. Yeah. The, oh, no, a lot of the problems like, I have for your lost, face is, for your face blindness, like yeah, to just pull is. to pull Terry O'Quinn's name. And be like this guy. <laughs> you're you're right. It's very. It's all <laughs> so over the strained. place. <laughs> not, there's no consistent. Data would have a, uh, a a real a real real problem trying to figure out the logic to my brain. <laughs> Maybe you opened a fissure somewhere along the line in your youth. Oh, 
<laughs> at an I arcade I... in in New York in 1982. You just accidentally. <laughs> I would love to have that excuse to lean on. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, look. I think everyone's very happy with the episode today. Thanks, everybody, for being happy with it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you very soon. Don't forget, it's Rovember. So if you want to win some Andy Secunda uh, curated Ro-Rochendice. Also, if you have suggestions for what the prizes should be, uh, email me. What? No? Not for this month. This month has to be an entirely Andy Secunda Ensign oh, Rose curated. Yes. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I mean, because it's like the fact that like you thought of this month and had already looked at it <laughs> two months ago yeah. is like you need to. I just needed to put it through. I want you to put it through the goalposts. You got it. You got it. <laughs> All right, everyone, join the Patreon. Enter to win whatever the fuck it is Andy decides it is, and uh, we'll see you over there and over here. We'll be back. Disengage. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.